Gabar Jebat. Hi. Welcome to our second season of our Liberland in Georgia podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the Liberland representative to the country of Georgia. And uh, this time I invited George Pagliani to join us at this episode. But all this couldn't happen without Franklin Club, uh, which is a liberal think tank focused on the economic and political education. Thank you so much, guys, for making this happen. So first, I would love to just mention that I dedicate the second season of the podcast to the business perspective of Georgia. Why? Because Georgia is badly on rise and I don't want you to miss out. So this is also why I invited George today. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, and thank you for having me. Um, I will leave the introduction on your story and or your past on yourself. But first, I would love to mention why I decided to invite you myself or what was my motivation. So uh, I will go back a few weeks or actually maybe months ago. Uh, I was contacted uh, uh, by your assistant because you were curious about Liberland. And, you know, of course, my assistant started investigating you. She sent me uh, your profile and some of your introduction. Yes, I was investigating your person. And I was just reading it through. And I was like, when I went through your education and career path, um, I was like, okay, this is a smart guy who's interested in Liberland and I want to get to know him. And I'm so happy that we get to know each other. Uh, so this is just a little uh, teaser because George is a very interesting person from multidisciplinary field. And tell me your story. Well, thank you for such warm uh, words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise, uh, it's, it was a wonderful moment uh, knowing you when you came into our office and uh, it uh, still is. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> now I'm here and you're the host and uh, thank you for having me once again. Well, uh, I don't know what to start with. Um, it's, um, it can be a very long story as uh, one of the, my favorite jokes is as uh, when uh, an interviewer asks you like, uh, we'll start from the beginning. And uh, I always start with the beginning like, okay, first I created the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Second, you have people and animals and so on and so forth, okay. Well, um, to cut a long story short, um, I come from um, business and, uh, let's say, political background. Um, my education was both, uh, I uh, graduated from a university uh, where I was studying international economic relations. And I also uh, did my PhD in diplomatic academy. And, uh, well, I always combined this uh, two uh, things that actually were really uh, exciting me. Both uh, administrating business, or, uh, doing my MBA, and uh, of course, uh, as we all know, everything is connected to politics. And uh, this field also was a big interest for me and uh, especially diplomacy. That's why I was learning uh, like six European languages and uh, I also even uh, started a little career in uh, MFA uh, but uh, as deeper I got into politics, into international relations, into uh, international economic relations, into um, uh, starting I don't know, from theory and putting into into life, uh, more I got uh, invested into finding uh, some kind of a, let's call it a recipe mm -hmm. of uh, success, mm. um, both for me and uh, nationwide, worldwide. Uh, and that's how I came into crypto, actually. Yes. All right. It's a very, very uh, <laughs> short story, but uh, actually the last six years mm -hmm. I've been into this uh, sphere and um, this... Um, uh, well, this blockchain technology, yeah. IT, fintech um, has always been uh, so interesting and so exciting and uh, amazing field to discover and uh, especially helping uh, very um, 
smart guys uh, who, are, who are doing startups, mm. uh, finding uh, investors for them, uh, building teams, uh, then uh, growing the product and services and then scaling it. Well, it has been like a, a very, very big uh, thing for me, mm -hmm. uh, both in my personal life and my business life. Yeah, maybe I would love to go back to the point when you mentioned that, you know, your political and economical background made you into blockchain. What was the major impulse or what was that, you know, was there like something particular that made you that curious about, you know, this more tech perspective? Well, um, I would maybe uh, underline here three things, three main reasons. Uh, first of all, when I did my PhD and um, I was writing my thesis on uh, contemporary uh, Swedish politics, I found it really interesting because uh, Sweden, Norway, I mean Nordic countries were always uh, like ahead of uh, all other countries, mm. especially if we're speaking about uh, social aspects, economic aspects, uh, almost or any aspects, even startup aspects as mm. well, these hubs that they have and many, many other things. Uh, that was the uh, first uh, step, uh, the first uh, uh, first time I was like digging like why, mm. and then uh, after finding this third way, so-called third way, uh, when they actually combined this uh, socialist, democratic, and um, uh, capitalistic approach together, and mm. found their third way, so-called. Uh, so this was the very interesting discover mm. for me. Uh, then the second thing, uh, I was looking for, uh, of course, uh, some kind of a technology uh, because I also studied a lot of um, material on um, uh, governance, mm -hmm. international governance, uh, uh, management, political management, business management and so on and so forth. And I was uh, curious if uh, there is some kind of a um, a formula, a recipe, some kind of a way to uh, use maybe some technologies and evade uh, some risk factors, especially some human risk factors. Yeah. And this was like the second thing mm. uh, which my mind was curious about. <laughs> and uh, finally, the third step, the third uh, way for me was actually this uh, blockchain technology. Uh, which was developed like more than a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, of course, this uh, cryptocurrencies and of course the other abilities and other options and other ways how uh, this technology can be used. Mm. And this is just one little uh, tricky uh, invention of uh, Satoshi. <laughs> uh, let's call him or they. Yeah. <laughs> Them, uh, yeah, like this. Uh, and um, this uh, uh, Byzantium dilemma uh, of generals, uh, which was actually this protocol built on, mm -hmm. and many many other things, made me um, made me actually think more. And uh, um, this is actually how I got into this sphere because I saw this uh, like one of the keys to uh, open. Uh, not the Pandora box, I hope, <laughs> but to open the new way mm -hmm. uh, of uh, managing, of uh, uh, of doing business, yeah. of life, and so on and so forth. Just a quick good example. Many of you know uh, how blockchain already helps them um, um, uh, in governmental structures. How it uh, already helps you to preserve information, uh, to uh, do it in a decentralized way. Especially, it was a very, very big thing uh, after 2008 uh, when we had this uh, well, uh, war, uh, I mean, uh, Georgia against uh, Russia and uh, how it uh, helped to at least to um, hold this information about uh, the belongings, about the uh, estate, real estate, uh, which was uh, on, well, uh, which was and is um, <clears throat> belongs to Georgian citizens, mm -hmm. and then when this blockchain technology was implemented mm. uh, in our government, then uh, it's well, uh, you can I don't know bomb any kind of a data uh, center, mm -hmm. but when it's decentralized, uh, you still have this information with you. So uh, I think that this need, of course, it was maybe not a very good reason, but still, 
there is a need uh, to be to preserve information or uh, to not to forge it. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is also a very big thing, especially in reputation. Uh, be it uh, like other 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 reasons. So, I mainly just underline these three: how I got into the sphere and how I became, uh, let's say, like a crypto enthusiast and uh, yeah. some kind of a crypto anarchist as well. That's yeah. that's an, it's you know like if you understand how politics economics work, and then you get into crypto, you cannot you know just be a communist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a communist. No. Yeah, I... not a good way to uh, build <laughs> big structures and to, especially to manage them. It brings you a lot of corruption. Yeah, history has already seen. Uh, well, <laughs> we have already seen it in history many times, and we keep the, seeing it still, uh, especially in such political regimes as in North Korea and uh, in uh, Cuba and uh, some others. Yeah, so we don't have to go even that far. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Well. Thank you so much for sharing all these insights. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom and thinking about all these aspects. This is really interesting. Uh, I know that you spent most of your life away from Georgia, actually. Um, and then you came back and you have this, uh, you travel a lot and you have this international perspective. How do you see Georgia yourself uh, today or over the years? Uh, well, <clears throat> Um, it's a very difficult question, especially uh, me being a Georgian. I'm uh, like uh, 80% uh, Georgian and uh, tw- 20% Ukrainian because of my grandmother. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's always very, very uh, complicated to speak about these things because uh, they touch you in your heart. Mm. Because I was born here, uh, now I returned uh, here and uh, it's uh, always a very, very low. Being a Georgian, it means that you are already you are very emotional. Yes, <laughs> and romantic, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, it depends, but yeah, uh, very emotional. So I would try to uh, focus on uh, less on emotions, but more on facts. Mm. Uh, and there are very, very interesting perspectives in Georgia. Mm. Uh, I mean, not only like business, but also political perspectives and um, even uh, social perspectives. Uh, w- when we start with the, uh, let's start with the economic ones, uh, because we already see a very, very big uh, uprise in, uh, be it in real estate, when even in Euronews you can catch some phrases from the, uh, uh, some uh, interviews and uh, some international, uh, some interesting analytical data when they say that the real estate will be rising up to 30% or even more because of the rising demand and so on and so forth. So. Uh, this is, of course, not only um, stimulated by the war, but uh, also uh, stimulated by other factors. This means that investors, this means that not only uh, expats or uh, some, I don't know, some other guys from different countries, but also Georgians are uh, well, uh, <laughs> doing a good business, have more profits and gains, and uh, well, they want to buy more real estate and uh, the nation is growing, which is, of course, very, very good for such a small country and for such a small nation as, yeah. as we are. Um, uh, the second thing, <clears throat> uh, in economic, uh, in a, in a, if we're talking about economics, um, I have traveled a lot, as you have already said, and because of well, my business and because of being an international ambassador and advisor to uh, several startups, uh, several selected startups, I must stress, <laughs> yes. Um, I was uh, really very glad uh, seeing, like three months ago, on Web Summit when uh, uh, a startup done by Georgians um, and picked up by uh, Y Combinator uh, also won a, a startup pitch at Web Summit. I even filled them and did some interviews with them. It's like, uh, it was a wow, it was a wow effect for me. Yeah. Uh, then I came back and visited several um, very nice uh, events, such as Touch Summit, and uh, we also organized some events. And mm. I saw there uh, and got uh, acquainted with uh, several other startups, uh, which were uh, born here, managed mostly by well, by locals, by local people, <clears throat> young, very smart uh, guys and ladies. Uh, and uh, which were and are to scale internationally. And uh, every second startup is looking into uh, scaling overseas or already is doing it, Mm. yes, and uh, scaling it into the American market and um, international markets uh, themselves. So this is also a very, very big signal 
yeah. be it for investment or for economics, yeah, both. And the third uh, part, if we're speaking about economics, is that um, uh, I really uh, admire the um, comfort and uh, the um, the things that are actually are uh, being done here. Uh, what do I mean? Uh, Georgia uh, could already be seen as a startup country, to be honest, yeah. especially uh, back like uh, 20 years ago when you had so many resources, of course, a lot of problems, but, uh, well, uh, government has done a very, very big job. Mm. And uh, now we see uh, new universities, we see a lot of uh, investors and investments already done, uh, especially, of course, in tourism. But nevertheless, yes, we also see some other uh, very, very great examples, uh, as I've already said about uh, yeah, Georgian startups, which are mm. uh, gaining momentum. Mm, um, this all combined, uh, of course, gives you a very, very big opportunity, mm. be it for a young student uh, who is looking for a job or, I don't know, or building a startup himself or doing like... Yeah. Or whatever he wanted uh, to he or she wants to do uh, but also uh, it gives you a very very uh, nice thing uh, you can test your hypothesis especially uh, me being a well, ex-growth manager mm. uh, you can test hypothesis here and very nice easy smooth and very very cheap mm, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. especially when you have here an international community which is growing each month yeah. is growing I mean, not only uh, those guys who are fleeing from the war, from uh, Eastern Europe, but also international-wise. Even here, when I came, I saw a lot of international students. Yeah. And it's it's always been a very, very big thing for me because, well, I, I like to travel into India or mm. to um, uh, like MENA region countries. And uh, when I see those guys um, uh, coming here, not only for educational, but also doing business, I'm always very, very like excited mm. you know uh, so um, I think that I will stop here because then comes some politics and uh, as the ex-diplomat I just wanted to evade this uh, <laughs> uh, angles sure, sure, sure. <laughs> sharp we, angles and uh, we yeah, don't have well. to go there I actually wanted to ask about one thing or whether you would provide your perspective on it because many of the startups that are here uh, are focused on blockchain or you know metaverse stuff and of course like one thing is a favorable taxation but second is there anything else that you f find you know like that would be the source or reason for this like wait exactly these fields are so popular well i wouldn't agree like 100 with you because i've okay. seen like uh 80 of all the startups which i have seen here and i have seen them a lot they also ping me and text me on linkedin yeah. <laughs> every month uh 80 are still like uh, fintech or mm. some other tech dedicated ai especially yeah. right now yeah it's uh, very trendy um uh, and only like 10 or 20 percent are somehow or 100 percent built on blockchain or they get into this technology or using this uh, i don't know some cryptocurrencies or web3 modules mm. or whatever there is so uh, but speaking about the favorable um, conditions of course a uh, very nice thing uh, which was brought uh, back in in uh, summer of 2019 if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. with this law which uh, does not oblige you to pay any kind of taxes if your income is in crypto or in digital assets yeah. yes uh, and uh, now uh, when we started uh, when we are starting to implement this uh, SEPA payments in the banking sector yes. uh, we already have uh, from the January of uh, 2023 we already have this legislation uh, which also coordinates the digital currencies uh, laws and now we will have some kind of a taxation of course uh, KYC, AML, KYB all the stuff which also uh, the law implements and this is um, a uh, good thing, if you mm. ask me, because this uh, could regulate the market mm. and is starting to regulate the market. Yeah. And uh, but still, uh, why is it good? It's good because, um, unfortunately, from uh, my experience as uh, consulting, I've consulted like about ten startups, but I have seen much more. Uh, I would say that ninety percent of all those startups are either uh, scams, mm. either uh, 
um, well, they didn't, <laughs> they cannot prove their uh, business model and uh, well, they're not uh, successful, let's put it like this, in mm. our way. Um, so uh, this, uh, this is also a very important issue, a separate uh, kind of thing to talk about. But um, I think that a mild, a soft regulation is always a good thing. Because when it's not regulated yeah. at all, when there's only this uh, jungle market, as we call it, yes, rules, uh, then unfortunately, uh, not 90, but 99% are scams or, uh, well, very bad uh, business ideas put on blockchain or, well, not successful and so on and so forth. So basically, uh, soft um, kind of uh, frames where business can and startups can uh, work and start doing their uh, job is uh, is always a good thing because it also gives you a very good opportunity which are startup accelerators which are international investors especially from tier one and tier two mm. and this gives you uh, some kind of a confidence i mean as an investor yeah yeah i see so you think or just like Correct me if I'm wrong, but like so that it gives also some sort of like seriousness to Georgia so that we wanna we don't want like scammy startups because my understanding or my way of thinking to this like of course like I'm against regulations honestly so I because I think that uh, you know the market regulates itself it, are there scammy startups you know so then people stop. Uh, trusting and then the more likely the companies or the startups are uh, forced to in improve their trust, improve their credibility, improve exactly what you're mentioning, just all these plans and everything just to make it more serious. So I think that just by all these badly managed and governed startups, I think the long-term effect is the same. Just the thing is like the more regulations you have, so it actually, like get, getting back, I think that's more tricky for people to actually start just to begin. Because then you cannot just begin by, you know, drafting your idea and starting out things. But uh, you have these regulations, so you have to consult someone, you need a lawyer or just to make sure that you're actually somehow, somehow compliant. Uh, interesting, very interesting point of view. Uh, well, um, as a guy who have consulted uh, startups, be it from Eastern Europe, I'm not naming any kind of countries, but I think you can guess, uh, and from uh, Asia and from uh, Switzerland, from Europe and even from America, uh, I can only say one thing. Um, it's a very, very uh, big difference in the approach. Mm. Um, of course, uh, you are mentioning the so-called, uh, well, we call it like jungle rules, yes? Uh, when there is no regulation, you can do whatever you want, yes? You can raise money and do an, a kind of an MLM scheme kind of thing, yes? Mm. Which is very popular. Let's say hi to BitConnect. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, uh, when you have this not, uh, well, all these things which are not regulated, although uh, we all know that, especially if you ask the lawyers, uh, we still have some islands <laughs> uh, which are not regulated and you only have to know the governor and then you have, can have any kind of licenses or any yeah. kind of registrations and all these uh, documents and uh, you can do almost whatever you want. Yeah. But um, well, the main thing which I'm, uh, I want to stress out is that you have to be, um, unfortunately, well, that's uh, one little phrase which I always say to <laughs> a lot of people I meet. About only like uh, one or maybe two, okay, let's put it like 1% of world population is aware of blockchain technology, mm. is like more or less using it maybe. That's a lot of money still there. Yeah, uh, sorry, a lot of money and a lot of people. Yeah, of course, of course, like well, obviously, yeah. And uh, already is doing something on uh, cryptocurrencies, already is uh, like aware, yes, of technologies, more or less. But there is still like 90, 99% of other world population mm -hmm. uh, which are maybe not educated or maybe are not so aware of these technologies, even though mm -hmm. they can be like very super smart, but still they have never used it. And uh, they are not even uh, capable of doing some kind of due, deal, due diligence or some kind of checks or 
uh, do not have some uh, time or uh, I don't know some other devices yet to investigate and to, to do their own uh, research mm. on projects and uh, uh, this uh, is uh, very very um, as if you ask me my opinion it's a very very bad thing mm. because this creates uh, a very good uh, conditions for those uh, companies uh, who wish to uh, do uh, something illegal mm. which is for instance not regulated in the classical market yes uh, and they're putting it into blockchain uh, calling it whatever you want doing it a lot of marketing and PR Mm. And then they like swish away yeah. uh, just in a month or two after mm. uh, getting out. So um, the main uh, the main focus here of my words is that we have to take care, as Exupery uh, <laughs> uh, said, uh, of uh, of the little ones, of the ones that uh, we actually yeah, brought to ourselves and uh, uh, actually the uh, the people, the users. Mm. And this creates a lot of vulnerability for the users of yeah. uh, such uh, technology, of uh, such companies, of their services, and so on and so forth. Mm. So mild regulations are still very, very useful, if you ask me. Mm. And especially, uh, we have a very, very nice examples of some countries which are have, for instance, they have like zero regulation on cryptocurrencies, and uh, there is like completely black or gray zone, as we call them. Yeah. Yes, be it in uh, crypto, be it with fiat currencies, be it with other things. And this creates a lot of risk. Mm. Risk of sponsoring, I don't know, terrorism, of using this black market things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, all these uh, threats that we unfortunately have today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that the biggest terrorist is often the government, you know, so that <laughs> the, because... Uh, yes and all, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, the point of... Um, the problem about regulations from the nation state perspective is that often, you know, they try to save us against exactly like money laundering and stuff. But uh, in reality, <laughs> the real, you know, money launderers are often the politicians. <laughs> and um, I know you didn't want to get there. Okay, well, let's get to our diplomatic, uh, hypercorrect uh, approach. But that's the thing so that you're actually regulating people. And then I would ask, if people are having the tendency to go into the gray zone, let's say, just hypothetically, so what's the reasoning? Is it high taxation? Is it nonsense to pay the taxation? Is it you pay out someone and you do not get anything in return, you know? like So then regular people, if uh, the environment, or like from what I understand and what I feel, if the environment is that bad, then you have likely the motivation, you know, again, just, yeah, like go gray zone and so on. So um uh, and as i mentioned I, I i think that if it wouldn't be let's say all these crypto blockchain projects if they wouldn't be that regulated uh it forces it actually co creates more competition and in the long run if uh, you have non-trustworthy projects it will more likely enforce those legit projects to really work hard on being trusted by people. And I think that in Georgia, the problem may be actually this still the lack of competition because it's a lower country. So it makes sense that the projects want to go international. But on the perspective of like, um, um, you know, of just creating this startup. So still there are just a few companies. I think that it's still really on rise. It's like, it's beautiful because like, as you mentioned, there were just so many events in the past months. It was, it was impressive. I remember I was like at four events, but like major important events a week that was uh, like mind blowing and impressive. It's amazing that it attracts many investors and companies. But uh, I think that it's still like, it's like a little kid you see growing. And I think it just will have to grow up himself. I don't know. Well, uh, it's a very good thing uh, that you have mentioned, the competition, especially international competition. Of course, mm -hmm. there is a very big lack uh, of, I wouldn't say that of international competition, but very big lack of understanding mm. that you might be uh, top of the notch here mm. in Georgia market. I don't know, let's say you have a delivery app. Yes, I will not call any names because they have not paid it for me <laughs> for this ad. But anyways, yes, you can be like a first here 
mm. nationwide. Yes, everybody will be using you and uh, of course you'll be like uh, very successful and uh, uh, everything will be like working really nice, let's say, yes. Mm. Uh, although it's a very big, <laughs> very big thing to, yeah, uh, to have a flawless working app. Uh, but anyways, um, but unfortunately the lack of understanding that there is a bigger market, yeah. an international one, or even let's put it like a small European one. Yes, then there are other apps mm. uh, in other countries and other startups, other guys. And uh, there is a, a very, very big of lack of understanding. That's the first thing. And the second thing of willing mm -hmm. to scale, to grow, to go overseas, to, mm. uh, to build uh, something even bigger. Yeah. But if the founders, if the, if the board yes, understands this uh, capability of the startup and uh, this option is uh, on the table and they're aware of it and uh, they're like interested in it, of course, then it's the other, other side of the story. Uh, it's another very, very, uh, I don't know, if you already have a proven business model and the startup is already like uh, not in a zombie stage, God forbid. But like uh, growing, growing and growing, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's always easier to attract money, to attract yeah. investors and so on and so forth. But, but uh -huh. talking about this uh, kind of, uh, well, still political things, I have to cover it. As an advisor of XDAO, for instance, mm -hmm. um, we already have seen the rise of DAOs, yes, decentralized autonomous organizations, which already can be as a way of uh, managing uh, companies, uh, even countries, and uh, making uh, things more transparent, even more simple, and uh, automated. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, just uh, I think that if we combine uh, the best governmental practices, mm -hmm. because as we know, uh, well, what's the difference uh, from the government and other organizations? Yes. Uh, only the government has the power of using the violence, yes, as they teach in politology in the first course. Uh, so basically, uh, if we still have something uh, from the government, mm -hmm. yes, and uh, when we add there the best of the technology, for instance, DAOs, yes, then in this mixture, we can have this, to my mind, of course, to my mind, mm -hmm. this third way. All right where uh, things can be done more transparent, mm -hmm. more effective, mm. easier and faster. Yeah. And, um, well, it's, of course, still a political thing, maybe, because there's a big political will to be uh, a political decision of such transformation um, still needed yeah. from the government. Um, because we all have to acknowledge and admit that we are uh, having our passports. We are to, uh, I don't know, gain some visas to go somewhere. Yes, we have to do these things. And uh, we also have, uh, for instance, um, if you're paying taxes, yes, yes, in the US, we also have a very big uh, benefits uh, if we face any kind of legal or some other problems mm. abroad especially if you're a U.S. citizen and you come to a U.S. embassy, well, uh, you still have some kind of a help and insurance, you know? Well, so, you pay for it a lot. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, it's, uh, well, it's, uh, I would say that it's fair. It's fair uh, because, uh, well, uh, unfortunately, the economics did not work if you do not pay for something, be it with your time or your health, I don't yeah. know, with your money. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing works uh, if you do like zero uh, efforts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, well, that's the thing. Like um, the problem about this, like higher. Uh, okay, now I'm moving to more political stuff. But like to uh, moving to like higher text uh, countries, it. Uh, in the long run, you know, the effect is getting more socialistic. You start expand, uh, spending this money on social stuff and uh, on helping out other people and whatever. Just thinking as like if you were responsible for others. Um, and uh, then it results in actually people respecting something for nothing. Free education, free healthcare and so on. It's not free. 
And just most people do not realize this kind of circle. Uh, well, uh, of course, uh, I can agree with this. And uh, um, if we uh, move into political, uh, uh, political economics or political theory, uh, or even to history, let's make it very simple yeah. for everyone. Um, we have seen uh, for the past, uh, I don't know, century, for the past 100 years, we have seen uh, a lot of interesting political systems. Uh, I would say uh, very interesting <laughs> experiments. <laughs> we have seen communism, which is not working at all. Yes. And we have seen uh, capitalism, which is still alive and uh, still it, working. But I think it's just regulated. It's not really capitalism. Yeah, of course, it's regulated, uh, but it depends. Uh, they, uh, it also, we cannot see uh, kind of a pure capitalism, to be mm -hmm. honest, if you ask me in the world. Even the most capitalistic uh, country, if you say like US, I would say maybe yes, but still there are a lot of uh, socialistic uh, ways put yeah. into the system. And a very nice example of this is when uh, a lot of European states uh, and uh, the US itself and uh, some other uh, Western countries, they have uh, paid up to 90% or even 100% of the wages of people during Corona. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, just imagine you are producing uh, almost almost nothing. Yes. Or at least less than yeah. previously. You are still paying uh, salaries to people. And uh, now what, what can you expect? Of course, you can expect only very big inflation and uh, very big problems in economy. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, this is actually just my little prognosis for this and for the years to come, at least in the short term, yeah. that um, very big uh, inflation and uh, very big economic uh, turbulence uh, and crisis uh, will come in our lives uh, because of these very interesting political decisions made. It's Only because to keep people like calm, you know, not to protest <laughs> and uh, to, I don't know, not go into the can, streets. Can we just call it populism, please? <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it's very populistic. Uh, every, uh, and th that's actually the vulnerability of the governments. And that's actually the uh, cons of uh, the government, the disadvantages yeah. of, the, uh, of the political systems that we already have. Yeah. Which I do not, uh, which I'm not uh, agreeing with as well. Yeah, but it's, it's just, um, yeah, um, the, the, the fact that this is that populist, you know, it, it, the reason for it, I think, is that, you know, the government just lacks this skin in the game because they are being paid by someone, they're using someone else's money. I would love to, you know, like exactly, you, you do not really create value, you just create new regulations and tell people, you know, give them allowance, licenses and stuff. But uh, you do not, if, if government was thinking like a, a company, mm. you know, <laughs> if you ha were forced to create profit, to be profitable, that would be a thing. Uh, and not, you know, by taxes, but I mean, you know, <laughs> like valuable, creating yeah, yeah, value, that's the it. thing. I get it. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, here is a very tricky part. Uh, previously, I was mostly uh, spending my life in uh, political structures and uh, working uh, more into like politics, especially in the diplomatic sphere. And I got, of course, uh, very, sometimes I got very even shocked and depressed because of how um, things were made. Yes. For instance, very big uh, shock for me was when I discovered that, for instance, uh, any kind of uh, MFA, yes, Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs, uh, is not, it can only recommend to implement some kind of pol politics or put it into international relations and, uh, I don't know, uh, can do some kind of recommendations, analytics, uh, give you some kind of info. Uh, but um, unfortunately, in most of the governmental systems, the, um, it comes from the political will from the center, yes, from mm. the government. If, uh, I don't know, we want to be friends with, uh, uh, let's say, I don't know, Greece or not, if we want to be, I don't know, investing and rela international relations with this country or mm. that country. So it doesn't depend on you as a diplomat. And this was a, quite a shock for me, mm. yes, because nobody, uh, sometimes even nobody even cares on your analytics report uh, because, well, there are some other interests in the center. Mm. When we were talking about the corporations, 
or uh, as you call them, businesses, big businesses. Um, there's, uh, well, I would say like 99% uh, same things going on there. Because the heads of departments, the board members, the presidents, the chief of, yeah. I don't know, the C-level are also humans. And of course, there is also this thing of, uh, I don't know, raising capital, then bringing a lot of uh, profits and scaling and growing or, I don't know, uh, remaining on the same level and uh, uh, so on and so forth. Of course, there's a lot of uh, business interest put mm. in there. But still, all these things are managed with people. And my other shock was uh, when uh, actually I discovered that in corporations and businesses, especially when even from starting from the startups and then when it's converting into a bigger business and uh, put into the corporation, mm. yes, 99% uh, of similarity <laughs> of what is done uh, in the governments and uh, yeah. in businesses. And even sometimes even worse. Yeah. Because business uh, can uh, evade, uh, can change, can mm. uh, um, do some other things. I don't know, can uh, go from one country to the mm. other. Yes, uh, do some relocation, um, pay a lot of money to the lawyers to evade some taxes or to gain some other profits and, mm. and uh, even uh, crash and conquer some smaller startups uh, yeah. in the markets which are not less regulated by the way yes which is a very very usual thing for big mm. companies by the way so uh i would say that once again the truth is somewhere in the middle in the combination mm. and uh, here is uh, the, the most uh, trickiest and the most difficult uh, if you ask me uh, part is to um, to educate and to convince people into uh, finding this third way mm. and uh, into uh, because very very big uh, still a lot of big potential and a lot of big strength is in the communities yes in population in communities you can call well people whatever you you want but let's say communities yeah and uh, of course unfortunately uh, the um, educational level or even the will the laziness of mm. the masses is especially now with this uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram and all this social media stuff is so low mm. that it also gives you a very good opportunities to like influence them. Yeah. But uh, nobody, well, not, maybe not nobody, but at least 80% or maybe even more uh, do not want to work with their, <laughs> with their heads yeah. uh, and uh, to put some effort into maybe studying something mm. or into like uh, converting and finding this uh, third way mm. and this is a, the most difficult part to convince people and to get them into inventing something new because uh, because we're lazy you know yeah, yeah. people are lazy and uh, yeah it's always uh, very very uh, simple to uh, do the things that are already like uh, in the usual way mm. I understand. Uh, thank you so much. This is an interesting like thought and approach. Uh, how do you see this when you take it to Georgia? Because, for example, I'm very surprised that first, I think there's still this lacking of Western uh, perspective. At the same time, there's a huge amount of libertarian communities and the new like I see to me a huge power in like young generation that they are already trying to do things differently than the previous generations, which like the, the older generations are more conservative and so on. Uh, I think that younger people are already having a broader perspective and that they actually do things differently. Like how do you, do you think that, you know, are you more like optimistic about Georgia when it comes just particularly to Georgia? Or of course, like we have all these uh, reality runaways, as I call it, to social media and stuff, mm. because it's Never easier. <laughs> it's easier yeah. than to face your reality of life. Of but course. I see, to me, a drive in younger generations here. Uh, it depends on the personality. In short words, yes, okay. on the personality and uh, of uh, people. If we're talking about the younger generation. I'm very, very glad that we have uh, such uh, 
such a bright young uh, boys and girls who are uh, very very energetic because well guys here especially young guys uh, they have a lot of energy mm. even I can well say that well, still you know the sun which is almost every day <laughs> maybe not today but still it gives you a lot of energy and I'm mm. not like kidding right now and this nature and the, our culture and everything gives mm. you like a lot of potential you know even when we go into like older times um, uh, the first uh, woman uh, who was uh, uh, who actually was the first uh, yeah uh, in chess yes. ah yes she yes, was yes. Georgian yeah, yes yeah, yeah. and not only one day we have we had even two of them yeah back into the 70s and 80s um, we have uh, very very smart guys here Mm. guys ladies i mean uh young generation which is coming and educating and traveling because they have even more possibilities to travel to mm. go to other universities to do this erasmus pro programs and uh, exchange programs and um, so on and so forth this gives you a very very big breakthrough mm. uh, in any sphere unfortunately there's other thing uh, the most um, the most smart ones, yes, uh, the most clever, the most ambitious, the most uh, effective guys and girls, um, they are or have already left the country. Yeah. Uh, we face this lack of um, professionals in almost any sphere. Mm. There, there, even I know, even if you go to a doctor, he can sit in a very, very like shady kind of clinic not made him very comfortable but he's a professor you know mm. and you go to to him mm. because well he's a he's a very very bright specialist and professional in his field and you know that well he's the guy and there's a very big cues and so on and so forth yeah uh here is the the the, the same thing unfortunately uh, most of them uh they get headhunted by uh big corporations especially amazon and google i yeah. have uh, some friends who actually were born uh, mm. born here and uh, got education here and in europe and then now they're working for these corporations i know a lot of it guys mm. bright guys very bright guys who are, are working for international big startups big companies especially from europe and america mm. almost all of them uh, and uh, because well this creates a very very uh, interesting situation well uh, of course with corona uh, most of them were based here you know and there still are so mm. it's good for our economy because they are spending yeah. like, uh, here and uh, or maybe even uh, well, sending money here as most of the Georgians who live abroad do. Uh, but it's like a need, uh, we call it like a needle, you know, uh, um, I mean, uh, it's like a narcotics. Mm. Yeah, 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 I see. Because this younger generation also uh, another big problem, uh, they are left without uh, their uh, relatives especially without their parents mm -hmm. because their mother and father are working abroad to send them money to uh, get them better education to and uh, to do a lot of things yeah and most of the time they are uh, they're sitting with their grandmothers or grandfathers or maybe with mm. their aunts or, or with the other relatives and uh, they do not get this care mm. and attention unfortunately mm. this is a, also a very big problem mm. to be honest it's a very big social pro problem yeah. and um, my main point here is that um, we gotta uh, bring here not only investors but also jobs and especially not like uh, not only like jobs in tourism or I know very not so high skilled jobs I don't know building some factories or mm. whatever but uh, jobs for highly educated uh, workers, yeah. yes, professionals. Isn't it changing, you know, with all those new startups and companies? Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is changing, but we need more. Yeah. We need much more because uh, we need those parents to, to be with their children. Aww. To uh, remain here in Georgia and yeah. have a decent salary. Uh, have uh, normal and good jobs uh, at least on European level yeah and when I say European I mean Western European and mm. Northern European level maybe I hope in several decades yeah 
and um, mm, to raise our own specialists. Because, mm. as I started, started in the beginning, we have very bright minds, uh, very energetic people. Yes, of course, emotional. Yeah, we're emotional, even more emotional than Italians, I think. <laughs> uh, but very energetic, yes. Yeah. And uh, very capable. Yeah. with a very big potential yeah and the third thing is that we have to uh, um, provide them such conditions so that they stay here mm, i understand of course i mean well they can travel and do like <laughs> like i do yes and uh, do a lot of things but i prefer for instance uh, also with my example and i always wanted to actually come back mm. uh, and uh, to stay here i work from my homeland and uh, uh, also, be it attracting investments or advising and helping some startups or just uh, helping even my parents uh, with their businesses. Yes, yeah. because uh, if you do not do this, be it, uh, you can be, I don't know, Georgian, you can be Ukrainian, you can be, uh, I don't know, from Africa, from India, from whatever country you want. As one of the uh, kings of Georgia said, um, which who was already, by the way, who was not 100% uh, Georgian uh he was uh more Arab persian but still he uh, built uh georgia it's a very interesting historical fact um who was it uh I, just uh okay. just google it okay <laughs> <I have> to... <laughs> okay because on. he uh well he did a lot of things and uh, all right well um we always have had uh, mixed uh, blood you know because of the a lot of wars uh, with the yeah. persian and uh, empire and uh, osman empire uh tatar empire now russian empire uh last 30 years uh or maybe even more <laughs> depends how you count uh so um uh, my main thing is that you cannot be maybe georgian by blood but uh, if you are, for instance, I don't know, born here or uh, if you're doing business here mm. and if you're doing a good job, not as kind of a scam or whatever, uh, and your business, as Americans say, my American teacher used to say it, uh, any job is good because it's designed to help people. Mm. Unfortunately, when I grew up, I discovered that not any kind of job is like this, but still. It's a very it's good very approach. Helpful. It's very helpful to think and uh, to uh, yeah to re to live in, to live in this reality. Mm. So uh, any kind of people who come here and do their uh, business and uh, raise this um, not only uh, give you more like job um, uh, possibilities but also uh, more uh, competition. Mm. Yes, which is also very healthy. Yes, but regulated competition once again. Uh, softly, <laughs> because for instance, if uh, let's say you have Laridze water, yes, yes. Uh, just a little interesting historical thing. Okay. I cannot evade my <laughs> fourth education. Sorry, uh, when Stalin uh, met uh, Churchill and Roosevelt in uh -huh. Tehran, uh, he was uh, he invited them uh, into his office and they drank Laridze water. Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, so, for instance, you have Lahidza water, but yes. then uh, big corporations come, let's say Coca-Cola, then Pepsi, then even, I don't know, some third kind of thing. And of course, this is a very, very big thing and it raises a lot of problems for Lahidza waters. Yes, because they do not have such a big capital. They cannot do such a big <laughs> PR marketing campaigns. Yeah. Uh, they do not have uh, such possibilities, such trained, uh, I don't know, uh, and uh, capable and people and all these resources, right? So when I say uh, softly regulated, this means that, of course, international companies can and please enter the Georgian market. Yes, it's a very big success for everyone, but it has to be more or less regulated. I'm not like uh, thinking of protectionism kind of things, but mm. still at least softly regulated. Otherwise, we use we lose uh, Lahidza water, uh, which will be I don't know lost and uh, uh, by merger and acquisition brought by like big corporation, which will I don't know just uh, as they did it with uh, with Nokia by the way like ten years ago if you know what I'm saying. Uh, very interesting example, just a short historical overview as well. Um, I Nokia. love your white perspective. You know, like you're from. <laughs> Let's have a family together to the political issues and to Nokia. 
please. <laughs> I'm giving just examples. Yeah, that's uh, great. Nokia, uh, F terrible iPhone and the Apple rising uh, is rising, being a rising star in the market. Um, Nokia, as uh, uh, it was like one of the biggest players, yeah. yes, especially in the beginning of the century. I had at least five Nokias <laughs> uh, in my life. Um, um, they um, invited a guy from uh, Microsoft. Uh, he was their chief executive officer mm. or something like on C-level. And uh, he, in one year, he made so many bad decisions. Uh, and uh, that was uh, on purpose. Uh, mm. Is later, yes, uh, that made Nokia uh, bankrupt. Mm. And so Nokia went out of this big Wales market. Yes. Mm, it's interesting. a very interesting example, just Google it. Uh. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, well, uh, it's uh, it can be like transforming once again to, into Georgian example. Uh, it's it's not a very good thing to be like uh, zero regulation and all this stuff. Yes, I'm crypto anarchist myself, but <laughs> uh, last thing, anarchy is a secret order. It's a very interesting saying. Uh, believe me, we still need some kind of uh, maybe softer, but still rules in order to make things uh, productive, effective, and uh, successful. Otherwise, it is uh, it is uh, well but, unmanageable. Yeah, but when you have this competition, it forces you to improve your product to be competitive. If no one wants to drink Lagedze water, you know, then something there's then there's some other problem. Pro possible like if you do not have the research you know you don't have the resources to promote your product then are you selling actually your product are you making money how are your processes and so on it's it's been your job so i'm not but you know like from this yeah yeah, yeah. i get it but uh this uh, this um uh, still um implies a lot of risks for instance uh you sure. need to uh go on to like more aggressive marketing campaign yes but you know do not have such resources as coca-cola yes yeah. of course you can be very creative and innovative and all this yeah. stuff but still you still need some money and yeah. collaborations and doing like, yeah. all these pr activities uh and then you go what you do um sell your shares which is also takes a lot of time by the way yeah. uh or you go to a bank for a loan and which creates you a lot of risks of course yeah. because if uh, still you cannot compete with the bigger guys then well you still have to return the loan and then your business can go bankrupt and uh it's a very very uh <laughs> well big discussion on this and yeah. i totally get it and uh, uh of course you can say that you have to be more flexible and so on and so forth but unfortunately uh, unfortunately it's very very hard and uh, complicated to uh, compete with bigger guys. Mm. One little example, once again, if you want. Uh, this one, you'll like it, I, I hope. Um, <laughs> Apple, <All right. laughs> yeah, I love how you try. <laughs> Apple, well, uh, it's just uh, because I always like to give uh, examples uh, from the real life stories yeah. and business cases, as we call it, because otherwise it's, um, it's just talks, you know, um, and theory. Um, there was a very, very interesting moment in Apple's history. Uh, when uh, um, Steve was launching, uh, he was launching uh, iMac or he was launching, I can't, um, iPod, iPod, yes, he was launching iPod, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he was almost gone bankrupt with this all this new kind of idea mm -hmm. of his, innovation in the, the music uh, sphere, music listening sphere. Um, and uh, you can never guess who has supported him because he was on the edge of going bankrupt. Well, not first time in his life, but still. I don't know. Bill Gates. Ah. Uh. Yes. He, as a monopolist of the IT sphere at that time, yes. All right. Uh, he actually helped him mm. both with investments and uh, with advice and a lot of other things. And uh, he actually gave him this hand of help and uh, mm. helped him, yes. And this how uh, we got this iPod thing and uh, this how we then had Apple iPhone and many, many other uh, well, uh, disruptive products which Steve has bought. Yeah. So uh, just imagine, and this was like an American business case, right? Yeah. Like a free market and uh, a lot of regulations and all stuff, but 
for uh, for Microsoft Corporation was of course more. <laughs> it was like easy to kill or to buy or to uh, to do this merger and acquisition thing or to like do some other things mm. and uh, not uh, have uh, another competitor of yeah. Apple, right? So it was a very interesting, just a very interesting business example mm. uh, that um, even being a very smart, innovative, mm. and uh, genius guy as mm. Steve. You can still lose to bigger uh, corporations because of lack of resources and some other stuff yeah. which you do not possess. Yeah, interesting. Thank you so much. It's been very insightful and uh, wide discussion. I really appreciate all your examples and it's just amazing. I'm so happy to have you, you here today. Uh, thank you so much for watching. I would love you if you could please share your insight in the comments. I would love uh, to read them. And uh, if you have any questions, so also feel free to ask.